Hello and welcome to episode 227 of Sunny Bill on the SBW. I'm that bloke from the Sydney Roosters, Sunny Bill Williams. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Joining me as always is the glorious SBW, who you can find on Twitter at LeagueFreak. How are you, oh, exalted one? I'm pretty good, Sunny Bill. How are you? Yeah, look, it's, uh, it's been a busy day, SB. It's been a busy yeah, day. Yeah, a long, hard-working day, oh. hasn't it been? Like, putting in lots of effort, um, lots of breathing exercises, <laughs> them ones. Um, lots of, uh, like, passing, but not playing. Well, uh, another thing that I have trouble with, too, is someone someone was piss farting around with a stationary cabinet. I don't know if you saw, and I got one of those rubber bands stuck around my feet, and I was trying to step out of it before the game started, and my feet couldn't quite get out. It's tricky. You know, the other thing was there was, a, a like, a, a little thing stuck to the door handle and tried to pull up, pull off the thing off the door handle. Couldn't do it. You needed some, some uh, assistance from Des. Yeah. Yeah, he's good with door handles. Oh, well, I was thinking to myself. I thought later on when we do the podcast, I'll ask Sonny Bill Williams what he thinks would help because Sonny Bill Williams knows everything. So, are you um, disappointed we didn't get his thoughts throughout the entire game? Like those, okay. those sixty-six and a half minutes where he could have been just sitting on the sideline, just giving us his thoughts. Just thoughts like, you know what? I'm going to stand up now. Nah. Nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna stay sitting here. Oh, it's cold in Canberra. Oh, I better stand up. I better make it look like I'm doing something. Oh, the cameras are still following me. I should pass the ball to one of these bench warmers. That'd yeah, be great. I can be a bit more insightful. I can be sitting there the whole time going, you know, on food packages where it says, you know, like two servings. What is there a set amount of time that needs to be spent between each serving? Or it could it be like five minutes? That'd be like three days. Like he, he ponder on that for sixty-five minutes, I reckon. When you get ninety-eight percent fat-free milk, what's the other two percent? Yeah, why did they leave the two percent fat in there? Yeah, can't we just get rid of that and have zero percent fat milk? What are the what zero point one? Um, you know, viruses and whatnot that Glen Twenty doesn't kill. Bacteria. Does I think there's 99.9%. Does 100% fat milk come from fat cows? Do you reckon chocolate milk comes from brown cows? And if so, how do they get strawberry milk? I've never seen a pink cow before. I agree with you, Sonny Bill. <laughs> See, this is the stuff we, we missed out on. Yeah, it would have been really good. All I need to do is just shove a microphone in Sonny Bill Williams' ear. We could have had all of this. That would have worked. An um, opportunity missed, I'd say. Yeah. Although, like, to see four and a half hours of Fox Sports commentators and personalities fucking jerking off as hard as they could over Sonny Bill Williams was fantastic. But for it to all be over in 13 minutes, you know, I swear that's never happened before. Yeah, it's kind of like the last time you came back. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. So it'd, it'd be like a teenager looking through, you know, you porn for about three hours just for a quick two-minute wank. Oh, Jesus. It had to be said, but that's yeah. all it was. That's all it was. It was atrocious. Yeah. This, this is the problem we've got with the modern media today is that when they're not sitting there pissing on the game 24-7, yeah. they're practically stalking someone 
and just ranting about them over and 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 over again. Yeah. Well, we know what Sonny Bill Williams has done in the past. This is not an attack on SBW. We know he's a good athlete and an unbelievable athlete, all sort of stuff. He's his career record shows that. We don't need to be bashed over the fucking head with it every he fucking un- minute all fucking week. Is he an unbelievable athlete, though? Better than me. Yeah, but, uh, like, is he an unbelievable athlete? He managed to play for the All Blacks. I mean, yeah, but a whatever, lot of... Whatever, whatever we want to, whatever our beliefs are in rugby union, they All Blacks are the, the pinnacle of rugby union, and he managed to play for them. He's, you know, won a premiership in rugby league as well, played for... You know, play the International League and Rugby League. But you is know, he an unbelievable is... athlete? Like, Brad Thorne did the same shit. Brad Thorne wasn't a boxer either. Yeah, but neither Sonny Bill Williams, let's face it. Come on, he's bashed a few pumpkin sellers. Exactly. Exactly. Like, when I think of the most unbelievable athletes in the game, I don't think of Sonny Bill Williams. I just don't. That's fair enough. I, I, I just think that... I don't. I don't think we'd need to be incessantly hammered, have this shit hammered into our head about how great he is. I mean, we hear all the time about how, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, the, there's no player that's bigger than the game. But when Sonny Bill Williams turns up, it's like, oh, actually, hang on a sec, we've got a challenger to the title here. But that, but then, like, it was funny. The NRL put out a tweet before this game, and it was a split picture of Sonny Bill Williams and fucking John Bateman, and I thought that sums up the way some people fucking look at sport, you know? There's a 35-year-old fucking football player that's hardly going to play any minutes, and you knew that going in. And John Bateman, who's like, you know, the, the Raiders play better off without him. Well, he's leaving He's leaving the club. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I mean, but, well, let's be honest, both players will be leaving the club at the end of the year. I think that we, folk, well, not we, but I think that the media focuses on some weird shit. And I thought that that summed it up from NRL's media department, whoever put that tweet out. But, yeah, it's, it's very strange to me. I, like, I think Sonny Williams is fucking boring. Oh, he is now. Look, he's... But I've yeah. always thought he was boring. Like, people say, oh, he's, he's this and that. And I just think he's fucking boring. Look, when he came back to the Roosters the last time, he, he did the job that it was given to him reasonably well. And so I, I'm, I've got no criticism of him for that but i just think that the the media has gone way too far this time around when the and, commentators are calling him a rock star and i'm thinking to myself uh, look, why like he doesn't say anything we hear he, people saying you know oh but we're talking about you know something positive in rugby league you know are we right there's a yeah. lot of rugby league that's going on in a weekend a lot of rugby league going on the weekend, and the only thing that the media's been talking about this weekend is one player who played for 13 and a half minutes. Well, I tell you, it's something, right? They talk, oh, we're talking positive about rugby league. Why don't they do it about the Panthers' winning streak instead of saying, well, they're fucking hardly having to travel anywhere, and they're playing a lot of games near their home, and it's like, well, how about you talk about positive stuff there instead of just, you know, talking about this dude that's going to play 13 minutes well, and like struggle to get to minute thirteen. If Penrith weren't so such a shithousely run club, they would have signed Sonny Bill Williams and they could have had all this positive publicity. He wouldn't make our team. No, nah, no, nah, the media'd put him in there. You have no option but to put him in there. Make him captain coach. 
trainer <laughs> and CEO and head of the Junior Development Pathway System and Lord Mayor of Penrith. From what I saw... Of a statue Sunny... at the Westfields out there? Is there a From Westfields what I saw there? of Sonny Bill Williams, he can't be in that Roosters team. No, look, and this is the thing. I mean, we discussed this, you know, previously to him coming here, is that he was struggling playing for Toronto, and they were a team that were winless in the Super League, and he was he was struggling to hold down a starting thirteen spot there. Um, so I don't know who who it is that thought that after that run, and then he gets injured, comes over here, hasn't played for nearly six months. So he was out of form, injured, comes over here, and they automatically think that he's going to be some sort of rock star superstar who's going to take the game by storm. You'd have been absolutely nuts to think that he was not going to do anything other than a very minor role because it doesn't even matter about the publicity. No one's going to come back from those sort of, you know, being in poor form, having an injury, not playing for six months. No one's going to come back from that and absolutely blitz it first time out and play 80 minutes or anything like that and be an absolute game-breaker. It's just not going to happen, unless you're Wade Graham. Because <laughs> well, like, cause Wade did do it. You know. Look, I, I hope that the Roosters persevere with him because they're playing with 16 players every week. It'll be great. It's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, oh, look, I thought it was impressive that they knew he was that bad and they still took him into the game. Um, and, yeah, like when he was struggling after just a few minutes, like – you know, hands on his knees, bent over, gasping for air. I was like this, you know, you expect that out of somebody that has not played for a long time. You've also got to take into account his age. You've also got to take into account that he had to sit around in a hotel room, basically twiddling his thumbs. Um, he, like to have waited as, to have got him out as quick as they did onto the field in terms of like how long he was out of quarantine and then they got him on the field, they really rushed him back as soon as they possibly could because imagine if they had played him, you know, as soon as he came out of quarantine, he would have, he wouldn't have lasted five minutes out there. And I, I just think, you know, that all of this bullshit that went on, what a fucking waste of time. And I just find the whole thing boring. I really do. And the Canberra Raiders, like the thing I got out of that game, was that the Roosters played all right, but the Canberra Raiders are absolutely desperate for a halfback. They had plenty of field position, they had plenty of sets at the line, and they have no halfback. And that's a massive problem. I, we said it going into the start of the year, and look at them now. They're still in the exact same place. They're not going to win anything. Yeah, although I must admit, I do like Tom Starling. I think yeah. he's got the potential to become, you know, very quickly... Um, a, a better option in the uh, in the spine than Hodgson is at the moment. Uh, he's very nipping, very sharp passing game. I do like him. I think if they stick with him, he's he's going to have a great year next year. Well, they've like got rid of him. they've got rid of a lot of the stupid things that they had going on out of dummy half early on in the year, which has been good for them. Um, losing Papali mid game was a massive Ooh, blow because he come out. Hurt. Yeah, he come out like a a bloody freight train. But, yeah, I'm watching the game and all of this talk about, you know, a play that's sitting on the bench, and I'm thinking to myself, man, there's a massive glaring error that is in this this uh, Canberra Raiders team, and they should be talking about that instead. But, you know, what do I know? Exactly. I'm just Don't a professional worry. podcaster, hey, Andrew? An expert. Yeah. 
professional expert. Um, so now that we've got all that off our chest, let's move on and talk about what actually did happen for the rest of us this week that wasn't SBW related. Well, yeah, let's go with it. Okay, hit okay. me with it. So, first things first is... Um, <sighs> Benji Marshall won't be at the West Tigers next year. And it's not so much the fact that he won't be there. It's the sloppy, once again, method that the West Tigers did in handling the whole situation because Benji found out via the media, not via his club. And so much of what goes on at the West Tigers has happened through the media, and this is not new to them. They've done this for years. Yeah. And and it's just an atrocious way to handle a club legend like Benji. Disgusting. And here's a weird thing, right? Everything was sort of going along not too bad for the West Tigers. They've not got a good team, right? But not not a horror show or anything like that. They were just sort of where they probably meant to be. And then they come into that game against the Panthers and their CEO starts shit-talking the best team in the comp, which was a really smart move. Yeah, genius. Yeah, and then ever since that moment, there's been lots of leaks to the media. There's been lots of... Uh, the coach has been thrown under the bus a little bit. And then, you know, one of the club's legends is thrown under the bus as well. And there's lots of ter- talk of turmoil at the club. And, you know, then even, uh, I think it was yesterday, there was talk that the club was going to sign James Tamo from the Panthers because if there's one thing that a team needs that hasn't got any decent halves or even a hooker next year, it would be another forward. So, especially an old forward. So, I just think, what the fuck is going on there? And I, I, I don't know where it's coming from, but I've got my suspicions, Andrew. Potato. Yeah. Yeah, I put down on potato. Um, the crazy thing is, Benji Marshall's like at the top of the list, like one of the top five players, I think, this year for try assists. So yeah. the old dog still got the tricks. This problem this year, and it's it's a glaring issue, is that his defence is atrocious this year. It is, but I would say that I, I still think you put Benji Marshall in a good side, and he's going to do a solid job. One hundred percent. You know, and he's playing and has played in a terrible team for a long, long time now, and I think he's definitely past that age where he can drag them to victories, but. You know, he's definitely the sort of player... Look, if he went to the Canberra Raiders, I'd be starting to think, man, Canberra, that worries me. You know what I mean? Would you take him at Penrith? The I, say reason... this, I say this in all respect, too, because I think they, the only thing that Penrith might be lacking, mm. and it's, it's hard to say this given how well they're performing at the moment, is experience in the spine. And he doesn't have to play every game, just be around the club, around those young guys. The only reason I would say no is because I think that Nathan Cleary is just by the fact that he's he's been around footballers his entire life. He's like being in a football environment, being in finals games around finals atmosphere and stuff. He's grown up with it, you know, and, and I think that you can see that in his game and that's why his game is so mature for his age. So... And on top of that, we've got, like, about three or four players that can play 5-8. Um, so which clubs do you reckon Benji would be an absolute asset to as of next year? Canberra Raiders. I think he would be... I think he would be pretty good at Manly as well. 
Newcastle, Newcastle Knights. I don't think he'd be the worst thing at the Parramatta Eels in a backup role. Um, I mean, and I, you know, clubs like say Brisbane and stuff, obviously places like that. But I, I think they need to go in a different direction. You kind of need to build for the future. But I think there's heaps of them. Like I think he would be, be best fewer. suited to the uh, to either the Cowboys or the Warriors. The war, yeah, the Warriors. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know about the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys need to do a complete reset. In my they opinion, do, but they've got they've got like a bunch of makeshift five eights to play alongside Morgan. I mm. think Morgan needs a genuine six or a seven there. Like they they need to put Morgan in one jumper and have a genuine half in the other jumper and just have something settled because they keep chopping and changing around all the time. They will never be successful. See, I think Morgan's done, hey? Well, I don't think he's got much more good football in front of him. I'll put mm. it that way. Um, and it's not it's not even entirely down to form or age or anything like that. He's just becoming a little bit brittle. Yeah, very, very brittle. And it's, you know, I, I think if I'm looking to take over the Cowboys, I would want to, first of all, I'd clear everyone out of that spine pretty much. And I would look to sign some players that, you know, didn't fall apart, could actually catch the ball, things like that, basics. Yeah, that probably makes sense. Now, while we're on the Cowboys, it looks like um, Todd Payton's got the gig there as coach for next year. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we'll see how he goes. He's done pretty well with the Warriors, but, you know, he's not coming from a real high ceiling with them. You just had to sort of get them playing half decently and you would have looked like a super coach there. But he's walked into a really tough job up there. I mean, he's going to have to clean out that Cowboys team. There's a lot of players that need to be told to retire. There's uh, some younger players that they just need to get rid of. There's not a lot that I think you can really hold on to at the Cowboys, so he's got his work cut out for him. Do you think the fact that he was an assistant coach there prior to going to the Warriors is something that will help him or hinder him at the Cowboys? Yeah, that it's a really good question. I don't know. I think sometimes it helps, but... I, I mean, you'll know the systems and stuff there, which is a good thing. It's easy to... It'll be walking into something that feels somewhat familiar. Yeah. Um. But if he's got relationships with some of the players there that, that are players that need to go, mm-hmm. that might be a difficult situation to walk into. I don't know if, if he's if he's able to handle that or not. Um, but yeah, he does have quite quite a few roster changes to do. The first thing he needs to work on is just get that forward pack um, reliable and consistent. I think he's got enough stock hanging around the forwards to you know have enough good depth there. He just needs one or two. Um, Quality players, he's got that. Mitch Dunn has come come across pretty well in the last few weeks. He's he looks very very good. Um, kind of where Cohen Hess should have probably progressed to. Um, but yeah, once he's got that four pack sorted out, he really does need to to get the the halves especially sorted. I think that young um, Tabua Fadao, I think he looks pretty good at fullback. So I I think their biggest problem is that hooker which it's been a problem for like five years. Mm. And in the halves, they've got no consistency since um, Thurston went. And, you know, from there, it's just a case of getting rid of the Deadwood Cooper 
Hess, O'Neill, you know, there's a whole list of players there that you could get rid of and, and not miss them. I'd get rid of drink water, you know, he hasn't been there for long, but he's ter- absolutely terrible. Maybe the worst first grade player in the game. Um, you know, and the thing that I worry about when you bring in an assistant is that he comes in and he doesn't make the changes that are needed. And I guess sometimes you get an assistant that's there under the head coach and it's like, man, I'll do this differently. I'll do that differently. And other times you get the assistant that comes in and says, well, this is what I learned and this is what I'm going with because I'm familiar with it. And you don't know what you're going to get until they're, you know, about 15 games into their coaching career and you either made a really smart move or you really stuffed up. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be a hell of a job. I it don't really is. Now, what else is there? I suppose in, in today's news, Kieran Foran has got injured again. Um, do you reckon he might retire? Uh, well, it was a pec injury, and it's, a, it's completely new injury. Yeah, and, and it's not a good one—a pec injury. It's the sort of one that can go on you a couple of times. I've um, I've got to believe that he's very determined to continue playing, and I think that's a a very strong attribute that he has. the The constant injuries, though, do make it very hard for him to get signed. Yeah, I'm confident a club will take him. Because um, when he does play, he is very good. He makes a huge difference to that bulldog side when he's playing. They actually look competitive when he's on the field. But uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with him there. You know, the news he can't be your number one playmaker. That's the thing. No, right? no, no, no. He's he's got yeah. to be a a backup half now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just That's to try and take, take some of the work workload off him to make yeah. him a bit more. Um, Viable, I guess, in attack. Mm-hmm. If you don't have to rely on him week in, week out, but yeah, he's a, he is a very good player, and I think he could probably impart quite a bit of wisdom on on some young halves. So he wouldn't be too bad a signing for that kind of as an assistant coach, sort of you know backup player sort of role, so to speak. But who signs him? Like I can't think of anyone that would sign him, knowing that he is one hundred percent going to get injured, and you can't rely on him to be there when it counts but he's good enough that you can need to rely on him at some point. Like, I, it's it's a real, real difficult one. And, but I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Potato's looking at him. Yeah. Well, you know. Wouldn't rule it out at all. <laughs> you could add him to your 5.8 stocks. You've got a few of them now, don't yeah. you? A few old need ones. A few. Need a few more. They're all sitting on the injury list. What did you think about hearing about Tamo possibly getting signed? You just... You just sigh and go, ah, we've been on this this road before. (laughs) I can't remember any older Kiwi forward that you've signed where it didn't work out. Every year when it looks like there's some sort of promise at the club that they're going to do something a little bit different, reality comes along, kicks you in the balls and says, "Uh uh-uh, not this year. Yeah. Well, if there's one, one area where the West Tigers are, you know, in need of some depth. It's not their forwards. No. I, um, just for a bit of fun, mm-hmm. I put together a, a rough team off the top of my head yeah. of some of the players that the Tigers have signed that had less than stellar careers at the club. Oh, really? And these, yeah, and these are players who 
were either signed on big money mm-hmm. or on huge potential and talked up an awful lot, or they came across and were just, you know, failed experiments, so to speak. Okay. Okay. So we'll go from fullback. We've got Jordan Rankin. Oh, yeah. John Hopawati on the one wing. Mm-hmm. Joel Reddy on the other wing. Oh, I forgot about Joel Reddy, yeah. Moses Sully and Chris McQueen in the centres. <laughs> Josh Reynolds and John Morris in the halves. Yeah. John Morris wasn't bad, but he was persistent with for so long as a halfback when it was adamantly clear he was a hooker. When he played at hooker for the Tigers, he played brilliantly. When he's at mm-hmm. halfback, it just didn't suit his game. A yeah. stupid idea. Anyway, so that, that's he's one of the failed experiments. Um, front rowers, Ryan O'Hara and Russell Packer. Yep. Uh, hooker, Matt Ballon. Yeah, oh, definitely, yep. And the back row, Jason Kalis, Adam Blair, and at lock, Jamal Alessi. <laughs> yeah. And I've got a, a seven-man bench. That's... <laughs> Seven? Oh, wow. You had to get some names on this uh, list, didn't yeah. you? We, we needed all of them, too. So we've got um, Praith Anasta, Keith Lailua, Moses Mbai, Tui Lolohia, Eddie Pettiborn, Jamal Idris, um, and Wade McKinnon. So I had six on the bench. There we go. Wade McKinnon. Coach Tim Sheen's assistant, Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor. That's, a, that's pretty good. I was thinking the other day, like, if you think Benji's your best player in West Tigers history and Robbie Farris is the second best, who's the third best? You know who it might be. And you, you will laugh at this. Yeah. Gareth Ellis. Oh, Jesus. Because... Yeah, a this, winger. A winger. Because... Think, you tell me how many... How many all-star forwards the Tigers have had? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And let's be honest, Ellis was at his peak when he came to the Tigers. Yeah, but, you know, he was a winger. He was an old winger. He was a very good one. He, You know what? He used to play so far out on the edge that one day I was at a Tigers versus Panthers game, and I'm going back to my seat with a couple of beers. He knocked them out of my hand. <laughs> I was going to say, was he sitting behind you? <laughs> yeah, he ran behind me. He knocked them over. I was like, man, dude. <laughs> yeah, you know, he probably still scored a try, though. Um, So there you go. A little bit of a, of a, uh, a Tigers winch there. We've got to have one every week now. How about the Panthers not absolutely annihilating the Broncos? Wasn't that kind? Yeah. The Broncos actually played really well. I think that might have been the best game of the year. It's the best game since the lockdown, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you know what it was that made them look good? Is that they were actually playing another gear faster than Crawl. Yeah. Like, it's funny, eh? They were they were running onto the ball a bit more. They had bodies in motion. Um, a little bit more urgency out of dummy half. Mm-hmm. And they started to look a little bit more threatening. It's, it's like not to the point where you thought, Shit, they're going to spring an upset here. But you could see that Penrith actually had to work for the win. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of says to me that that next Broncos win may actually happen within the next three weeks. Which would be devastating for their wooden spoon chase. It would be. Um, but then again, the Bulldogs keep failing to, to um, you know, make it a reality. So mm. I'm not supporting the Bulldogs anymore. I believe they've given up on that hope. I mean, they've got, the, they got Manly next week, and then they've got the, the Rabbitohs the week after that. Yeah, they Bulldogs won't beat are... the Rabbitohs. They, they could beat Manly, I think. Well, 
Manly had an absolute shocker tonight against the West Tigers. Yeah. They were leading 32-18 with about 15 minutes to go and lost the game. And that Manly's Tigers team were good, playing though. like... Oh, that, but that Tigers team were playing utter garbage for 65, you know, nearly 70 minutes. Mm-hmm. Couldn't hold the ball, couldn't get any good field position, had no momentum, no go forward. I mean, the first half was played basically in the Tigers' 30-meter zone yeah. with Manly just holding the ball for about 65% of the half. It's just ridiculous. How did they lose it from there? But you look at the Manly team and, like, there's so many bludger players in their lineup. Like, they've got some good players there, but, man, there's some due to, like, I mean, they must have, you know, jobs during the week. It makes you wonder how bad they'd go if there was no DCE in that side because, man, he carries them so much. Yeah, and last year he took them to unbelievable heights and I don't think he got enough credit for that. This year, you know, it, it's they've got a, a few injuries and it's really smashed them up. It's destroyed their season. But at what point do you start looking at the coach again in Des Haslam and start saying, well, you know, they they they're dramatically worse than last year. Yeah, he's not he's not done much with the squad either. No. Um so who knows that might change this year. Um Yeah, the Tigers I think they're back in ninth again. Feels yeah, alright. They, they are. They're back in they're back in ninth. Yeah. They will be relying on a Sharks victory. Oh, sorry, not a Sharks victory, a Warriors loss next uh tomorrow against Penrith. No, um, Parramatta. Parramatta. Yeah. I'll get it right somewhere. There's you know what, there's it's a lot of feeling amongst people that the Warriors could beat Parramatta. I don't think that they will. Hopefully, I'm wrong. But because uh, if they if they win that game, we could see them in a bit of a late charge to get into that eighth spot. They'd need results to go their way. But man, it would make it interesting. Well, actually, if they beat Parramatta, they'll be two points behind the Sharks, mm. right? And next week, the Sharks play the Warriors. Yeah. So that game would be not – it wouldn't be for eighth place because if the Warriors were to win tomorrow and then beat the Sharks next week, the Sharks will still be sitting in eighth place because their points difference is a hell of a lot better than the Warriors. Like the Sharks are currently plus 18. The Warriors are minus 101. Mm. Unless the Warriors can bring out a pair of 60-point victories this week and next week, <laughs> that's not going to change. That's a good point. So – they they will need to win their last remaining games, the Warriors. Um, Sharks are going to need to probably get just one draw somewhere, and that'll be enough for them. Yeah, it's, it's weird how many... Like, this season really feels like the first season in a very, very long time where there really are only about, I reckon, five teams that are relevant to the title. And in all honesty, I really only... I think it's a two-horse race this year. I think that... It's been proven that it's Penrith and the Storm. Yeah, it's it's hard to sit in anything but that. Um, the Roosters, their their attack is currently the best in the comp. Mm. The Eels' defense is a little bit better than the Panthers so far, yeah. and only a little bit worse than the Storm. There's not much between the three of them, but Parramatta's attack has fallen off a cliff. Yeah, and they look. I don't know if people of odd people. I don't know if <laughs> people. people. I don't know if people. I don't know if teams have worked them out a little bit. 
or what it is, or if they, you know, sometimes you just, you fire out of the blocks and you just, everything works great. And as the season wears on and pick up a bit of injury here and there, and you just need a couple of players to fall out of form and, you know, things don't click as well. It feels like maybe that's more likely to be what's going on. So they've had a bit of a, um, they've had a bit of a tricky draw. I wouldn't say it's been hard, Mm. but, um, I think if you get a, a draw where you have like a run of four or five games where they're all against top sides, mm. a team will more often than not, especially a genuine contender, will rise to the occasion and improve their gameplay. Yeah. But the, they've kind of had a tough game, an easy game, a tough game, an easy game, a tough, and it, it kind of can throw a lot of attack out of sync and out of whack, yeah. especially when they've got a, a fairly youngish sort of um you know, halves pairing, especially with, with Dylan Brown there. Um, it can't be hard to get a track on them because they'll, you know, like they, they lost to Manly mm-hmm. after barely scraping home against Newcastle, you know, and that that came the week after they flogged the Cowboys. And then they, they beat the Tigers in a less than convincing display. Then they barely beat the Bulldogs and they barely beat Cronulla. Then they lost to the Dragons. Shut out Melbourne, flogged by South. It's just... It's hard to get a track on where they're going at the moment. It's because it's just got that up and down sort of draw, which, you know, Cronulla's had a bit of as well at the moment. It's it's hard to sort of track where they're at. And I think it's playing with their form a bit. Well, I guess it's it's that weird question of would you rather, like when you look at your a draw or how, like recent games played, let's put it that way, um, would you rather play a bunch of easy teams or would you rather play a bunch of difficult teams, especially coming into the finals? And this is a question that I was thinking about today. My my Houston Rockets in the NBA played the LA Lakers. Now the Lakers were the number one seed in the West. The Rockets were number four. The Lakers had been waiting for six days to play the Rockets. They breezed through their first round series. Houston played like a an epic battling seven game series that they won in the last second. And they come up against an LA team that was rested and refreshed and got a chance to look at the Rockets and stuff. And the Rockets just tore through them. It wasn't even a contest. And sometimes I think you're better off being battle-hardened, going into games you really want to win, rather than have the easy draw, so to speak. And But when you've got that up-and-down sort of draw that the Parramatta Eels have had, like I, I don't know how that affects you unless you and not mentally prepared to turn up every week. Like, if you're mentally prepared to turn up every week, you should be able to handle an up-and-down draw all right, I think. Yeah, I just think um, teams will... Like, I dare say pretty much there's 15 teams in the comp who will try and lift their performance every time they play against Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And they'll try and put their best ever game in against the Storm compared to any other side in the comp. And then, you know, Roosters might be another one. Um, I'm talking about over the last few years. Yeah. So it just shows you that some teams know that they've got to play with more intensity some weeks than others. Mm-hmm. And that goes on through pretty much every club. And when you've got an, an up and down draw like that, I think that's where that starts to become a problem. Yeah, over time, I guess, yeah. Because yeah. I think the up and down draw thing is a, a large reason why we're seeing the Sharks struggling to compete with top eight sides. Mm-hmm. Unless... 
let's set one record straight here. We've heard a lot of commentary recently saying that the Sharks have not beaten a top eight side this year. And that's wrong. Mm-hmm. What the official stat, what the stat they're trying to say is the Sharks haven't beaten any of the current top eight sides this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because they did beat the Cowboys and they did beat Manly when both of those teams were in the top eight at the start mm-hmm. of the year. Mm-hmm. Just so I get that clear. I hate <laughs> people reciting statistics and getting it wrong. Stuffing it up, yeah. You know, I guess the other thing is too, you know sometimes how there are teams where you feel like, oh, they'll turn it on when it matters. Mm-hmm. And Parramatta felt like one of those teams a little bit, especially when they beat Penrith and they had that, you know, that score and blitz. There was about eight minutes of the game that Penrith didn't um, control. And that and the, the Eels won it in those eight minutes. And I think that sometimes teams that know they can turn it on and off like that, it almost becomes a problem for them because when you can, when you know you can reach those heights, but you don't always push for it. And I think that's one of the great things about the storm is people go, Oh, they've got this extra gear. They've got this extra gear. That extra gear is in pretty much all of the games they play. It's very rare that they're not really playing bloody good football. Um, But when you can switch it on and off, so to speak, it it does basically bring in bad habits. Yeah. Because once you start relying on it, Mm -hmm. um, that's when you start getting like the West Tigers did from 2006 to 2010. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's what they did. They went, oh, it doesn't matter if we fall 30 points behind. We'll just bag a couple. We'll just throw it around and, you know, bag a few quick tries and should be fine. Mm -hmm. And it works not as often as they think it does. No, like you, if you look at all of the premiership winners from even the last 30 years, how many of them were streaky? Exactly. You know, none of them jump out, out at me as being streaky oh. teams. No, that's right. So, yeah, it, it's a it's a tricky one this year. Mm-hmm. Penrith and Melbourne are definitely the front runners. I'm, I'm thinking Parramatta and the Roosters are the only team that are capable of challenging those two sides. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think there's any more than the top four that's in it. Yeah, I, I, I don't rate the Raiders. Uh, I think that, and I said that a long time ago. I think they were out. Um, the Knights and the Sharks. They're that they. I mean, if they were outside the top eight, you know, they're, they're them sort of teams. The Rabbitohs are playing good footy, and I think on their day they could be difficult to beat. But I think that those top four sides have got their measure. Yeah. Um, Canberra's Canberra's performing pretty well. Um, yeah, when you when you consider their form has looked a bit scratchy. They've had a pretty good run the last few weeks, but mm-hmm. tonight was down on what they've been doing the last few weeks. Yeah, um, and as soon as they come up against a a really one of the top sides, they showed their you know their deficiencies, and their deficiencies are they haven't got a halfback. You know, when, when you're attacking the line and you you need someone to organise, you need someone to... I mean, how many times do, does Williams have to get tackled on the last? Yeah. I think, too, that they've, they still, for some reason, have not figured out to have option runners either side of him when he's getting the ball on the last. Because too often, because it's an Australian game, when the halfback gets the ball on the last tackle, no one's thinking he's going to run with it. They're all expecting mm-hmm. a kick. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the Canberra players are just sort of standing around looking downfield going, where's he going to kick it to? Mm-hmm. 
and he'll run it. And I don't mind that he wants to run it, but there needs, you know, he's got to be smarter about it. He he needs to know that when he's going to run it, he's going to do it when he's going to have option runners around him, not just do it at a whim. Yep. Um, and that's that's the big problem. If he can fix that and time when he runs it on the last a lot better and not do it so often, it would make that a lot more effective. But he just seems to go to run on the last, especially when Canberra's chasing points. Yeah, it's terrible, and it, yeah. it's holding them back. It's really well, holding yeah, them back. It's horrible for your attack if you're trying to score points to have a halfback dying with the ball on the last. Yeah, because no one's expecting it, and no one's hanging around. They're looking for that. They're looking for him to kick downfield so they can set up a good defensive set to try and work, you know, to better field position for the next set. And when he's dying with the ball, and it's like. 30 metres from the opposition try line, you just give them an easy field position. And yeah. it's hard to win that back. It, it really is. And, like, at some point, if teams start to scout you and realise, look, if we if we cut off that running game for him and he's got nowhere to go, he's quickly just going to revert to kicks. And that's, you know, 50% of their attacking game you don't have to worry about when they're inside your 20 all of a sudden. you just got to defuse kicks. Yeah. Um, yeah, not good enough. Not good enough to win a premiership. No. But, um, yeah, I don't know what else they're going to do about it at this stage. Um, they've, they've got rid of most of their halves options, so... Yeah. Cameras just got to stick with it, I guess. You know what they need? They need more Poms. Yeah, they should get a few more over. Yeah, it'd be great. Poms have always been so good. Yeah. What's Tommy Bishop up to now? He's the last one, hey? How weird <laughs> is that? Like, he's still the gold standard of, like, a halfback from England that actually did something in the NRL. Yeah. He's a bloody tough, tough, nuggety little like, Fox Terrier type player. Yep. Yeah. Um, what else was there? Oh, there was some talk that uh, the Broncos might be trying to um, sweet talk Wayne Bennett to come back. And i tell you what, that would want to be some very, very sweet talking. Yeah, I can imagine. Can you imagine? Uh, let, let's be honest. They shit in that bad that bed pretty bad. Really, really bad. And it's going to cost them a lot of money. I just think, what, like, the fucking balls on the CEO that just two years ago goes in and says, hey, I've got this idea, right? We're going to sack Wayne Bennett. It's going to cost us a lot of money. And we're going to bring in this young coach from South Sydney. And then two years later, he says, hey, I've got this idea, right? It's going to cost a lot of money, but we're going to sack our current coach. We're going to bring in Wayne Bennett from South Sydney. Man. Mm. If they do mm. that, it's crazy. If they do that, they've, uh, yeah. They've, they've admitted that they've completely fucked up. And if, they, if that's what they're admitting, then they should all resign. They shouldn't have to be sacked. They should all resign because that's an admission of, of failure. Yeah, running out of ideas. Yeah, that's... Um, personally, I hope Wayne Bennett tells them all to go and get stuffed, and I've got a fair feeling that he probably will. I hope that he goes, and he's very public about having a meeting. I hope that he tells, you know, Danny Wydler or whoever the fuck that they'll be meeting it at, like, a cafe or something within a bubble somewhere. Um, and then I hope that they take him on the whole tour, they wine and dine him, and then he tells them to go fuck themselves. Yes. Because the other talk, too, is that um, the Broncos are also going to be chasing Craig Bellamy. Yeah. 
And my theory is, and I've said this before on the podcast, is that if Craig Bellamy's going to Brisbane, it's going to a new Brisbane team, it's not going to the Broncos because he likes to set his own legacy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to live off somebody else's. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a very um, commendable sort of attribute to have. Yeah, 100%. Doesn't want, to, doesn't want to live in someone else's shadow, wants to make his own name. And I think that's a good thing. He's done exactly that at Melbourne. Yeah, and that, look, that's the problem at the Broncos where – you know, every single coach that has gone to coach there has had to look over their shoulder because they want to bring back Wayne Bennett. Yeah, and, and they've like, all been compared stupid... to Bennett. Yeah, and it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Even Wayne Bennett, when he went back there, was, you know, compared to old Wayne Bennett. Mm. No, it's not. So, um, yeah, he's he's to Brisbane, I don't know. If they're any, if they're smart, they'll get rid of everyone that was involved in the process of signing Seabold, mm-hmm. and they will bring in someone completely new, not Kevin Walters, because I just don't think he's going to an NRL quality coach. I mean, we saw when the pressure got into him over the State of Origin series, which is just three games. How many times have we seen crying? Yeah, that's a bit weird. We can't have that week to week at the in an NRL club. No, I I don't think. Yeah, I don't know what he's like analytically or technically. He might be brilliant, but emotionally, I don't think he's strong enough to be doing the week in, week out. If he can't handle three games of Origin, then how the hell is he going to handle a full season at an NRL club? And, and like you know, what I think about coaches—they're psychopaths. You know, there's people that say, "Oh yeah, I can control thirty grown men to do exactly what I want them to do, and if they do what I tell them to do, we'll be the best in the world at what we do." Like, that's a little bit of a crazy person that thinks that. And, you know, Walters might just be a normal person. I think Kimmy's just a nice bloke. Yeah. Nice blokes don't become good coaches. No. How many, nice co- how, many, how many really nice dudes have been good coaches? Like, re- properly, like, everyone says, man, he's a really nice guy. Matthew Elliott? No, he is. <laughs> Dude. Come on now. Um, Mick Potter, space cadet. Mick Potter. Well, you know, Roy Simmons. Yeah, Roy Simmons. There you go. Greatness. Legend. Yeah. Roy Tastic. Roy Tastic. What was the hashtag? Yeah, that was it. Hashtag oh, Roy Tastic. I thought there was another one. Oh, he had a few. Okay. Low Maskell. <laughs> what the fuck's that all about? Lomax and Maskell oh, words okay. together. Lomaskell. <laughs> People putting signs of that up around the ground. It was fantastic. It gave me a reason to watch Super League games at the time. <laughs> oh shit! I also had a hashtag bacon for a while. That was getting some some traction as well. Hashtag bacon. Yeah. Who wouldn't get behind bacon as a hashtag? Everyone loves bacon. Even yeah. people that don't. Like Even vegetarians bacon. like it. They want they want vegetarian yeah. style bacon. You cook, yeah, exactly. You cook bacon around a vegetarian, you'll start seeing their all the walls start dissolving in their heads. <laughs> they'll turn. Yeah, they'll turn. If you go, if you put some perfectly not even like if you put all of the different styles of like uh, cooked bacon, you know how you can get like sometimes it's it's just nice and soft, but other times it's all crispy and stuff. If you put them all on a plate in a room with a vegetarian and said, there is a bin over there that you will be able to throw away yourself. No one will ever see what's in that bin. Here's a plate. Everyone's leaving the room for half an hour. 
I guarantee that fucking vegetarian takes a bite of bacon. No, a bite. Eats a lot of it. Ah, oh, licks the fucking plate. <laughs> licks the oil off the plate. Absolutely. Tell me something. Um, tell me something, Sonny Bill. Have you ever in your life cooked bacon and then with all the fat that's in the pan, put some bread in there and fried no. the bread? No. Have you not? No. Oh, prepare your arteries, son. <laughs> you're going to do that soon. And it is, it's like, you know how sometimes you eat something like, uh, like, uh, what's it, macaroni and cheese, right? Yeah. You eat macaroni and cheese and you're like, this scares me because I love this so much. I could die eating this. <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Can, can, I ask, can I ask a personal question about that? Yeah. Did you learn how to do that from someone in England? No, it's just something that I've always done. All right. Mm. Does sound a bit British. I guess it probably does, doesn't it? But yeah, you got it. You cook your bacon, right? It doesn't matter what bacon, but what bacon's good. This, this is going to lead me to another question. Are you part British? Uh, no, I'm 100% Australian. Okay. I was born here. I was That's good enough. Raised here. I've always lived here. Listen, listen to my accent. I'll fight you, cunt. <laughs> Go <Was> down road. <laughs> no, I'm actually, I'm actually, uh, got uh, uh, from African descent. There you go. Mm. No one expected that. That's for sure. Yeah, no one. But it's true. You even know it's true. Yeah, yeah. Man, I've, I've, I've seen the pictures. Yeah, it's impressive, eh? Yeah, mate. Whole three knees over here. Speaking speaking of uh, three knees, yes, we need to tell people about our sponsor. Yeah, well, you know, there are times in your life where you find yourself like wondering what's next. Well, what's next is to go to manscape dot com because you've got to shave your balls. So go to manscape dot com. And put in our exclusive code for our listeners. And that exclusive code is NRL. Just like the competition. They asked us what we wanted it as our exclusive code. And we said, hey, we want to use NRL. Because our followers, they're NRL fans. So you go there, you put in your code, and you get 20% off plus free shipping on everything that is at manscaped.com. That's a pretty good deal, hey, Sonny Bill? Everything? Everything, the ball toner, the ball refresher, the lawnmower 3.0, the perfect package 3.0, it's all there. You even, if you get the perfect package 3.0, you get a pair of like these boxes from Manscaped. They've got Manscaped mm-hmm. on them, right? They're made of a, a microfiber, which just cradles your cock and balls brilliantly, right? So not yeah. only are you shaved down like you're ready for action, but your boys are fucking all just ready to rock microfiber. I tell you what, you haven't lived until you've had your your junk sheathed in some microfiber, let me tell you. If that's not the best ever advert I've ever heard, I don't know what is. I know, right? We're pretty good at this advertising, Cape. So people, get over there, get to manscaped.com, buy whatever the hell you want, put in the NRL code in the checkout. You get 20% off free shipping. You cannot ask for more than that. And all you need to do is get onto Twitter 
and just a quick message to at Fergo Freak Pod and just say thanks. Thank you. Just and you know what? They don't say this on their website, right? So don't quote me on this. But one hundred percent of the time when you show your your favourite person in your life, your freshly shorn scrote, you should give it a little kiss. She can't know about but help herself. It's natural. Yeah. So there we go. Um, have we had any emails? Uh, we have. Let me open an email account. We haven't but done emails for a long time, hey? We haven't. That's why I thought I, I should raise this. Yeah. Uh, let me... And while you're looking there, yeah. I'm just looking at the uh, Formula 1 qualifying at the moment. Okay. Yeah, not much happening. Okay. Well, it's the boring qualifying. It's Q1 and Q2 done. No one's getting polling Q2. Okay. All they're, all they're doing in Q2 is they're determining what tyres they're going to use in, in the race to start with. Okay, Lambretta's got some things that he's telling us. Ah, yes. The back, he's trying to catch back, up on all the episodes. Yeah, back from old episodes. So it's kind of difficult to to talk about on, on the new uh, podcasts. Uh, well, we can see what we can come up with and see if we can remember what we spoke about. Okay, let's go back then. Where are you? Okay. Hi, guys. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. June 1. You talked about the new boutique stadium plan and how Manly should play at a new stadium at North Sydney that could service the North Shore too. I live in Mona Vale on the northern beaches. North Sydney is a different district. Over an hour away by public transport, Brookvale by comparison is 20, metres, 20 minutes away by bus. In this area, everyone follows Manly. The team represents the beaches and the beaches and the beaches people support their team. If the team moved to North Sydney, my neighbours would be travelling an hour to get there. Nowhere on the northern beaches is within 30 minutes of North Sydney. Mossman is the North Shore, not the North, not the beaches. To put it in perspective, it would be like asking Penrith to play all their games at the SCG. No one would go, the SCG, man. If, we, if people from Penrith could go to the fucking SCG within half an hour or even one hour. Do you know I've done that trip and it's taken me three hours sometimes? Where were you walking? No, the fucking traffic, man. The traffic's uh, bullshit. Used to take me three hours to get to school every day. <laughs> and and three, three foot of snow? Three foot of snow and uh, a three-legged horse. Three. I used to, have, used to have seven people, on seven kids on the back of the horse. Yeah. Um, you know, it was all up, going up a mountain. Going up a mountain. <laughs> yeah. On the f- after the first hour and a half, the horse would get tired, so we'd all have to get off and take turns carrying the horse and the other seven kids. Nice, and then you'd eat it for lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, uh, most of us would. One kid would miss out because there's only three legs on the horse. We, uh, well, that's where one of the legs went, I guess. Um, yeah. Did you have mountains where you lived? Um, I lived in Australia. We don't have mountains in Australia. Well, you know, hills. Because like, I always think of it as being flat where you lived when you were growing up. Um, where I grew up, it's flattish. It's, it's hilly. Yeah. Um, but where I went to high school, it's at the base of the Snowy Mountains. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, see, where I grew up every morning when we... Because I grew up in Tregear, and, uh, which is a suburb in Western Sydney. It's in uh, Mount, the Mount Druid area. Mm-hmm. And every morning there was a, a road that we would, and it was only a short road that we would drive down to go up towards the school. And it had a really good view of the Blue Mountains. So we saw the Blue Mountains every single day. And it was just like, you just get used to it, you know? Yeah. 
There you go. A little, uh, bit of our, a little bit of our childhood there. But there you go. So, so North Sydney's no good for Manly. Oh, we can just relocate Manly to Central Coast, I guess. So, so I'm bringing the Bears back in. Yeah. yeah. There you go. We, we solved that. Brilliant. I think at the end of the day, what, what, what Lambert needs to know is we don't really care about what Manly fans think. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you will travel an hour. You'll bloody well like it. <laughs> I tell you what, that, that's the weird thing about that north side of Sydney, that a lot of people say they love living there. And whenever I go there, all I think is the fucking traffic is a nightmare. Like, who would want to live with all this fucking bullshit traffic? And, ah, oh, ridiculous. There you go. So what else has he got to say? Uh, let me go back to it. Um, Brookvale. Okay. Okay. Brookvale, as shit as it is, is a, for away fans getting to the insular peninsula. Uh, it's the best location to serve home fans. For peninsula people, it's really central. All you need to do is live here and get on the bus. No other location suits the club. Take Manly off the beaches and the support will not follow. This area is hard to get in and out of. It's what the locals like. Anyway, keep up the good work and you are on the money 100% re-team sharing Bank West, the Dragons playing Wollongong and Alliance, etc. I can't remember what we're talking about there. No. So, so what he's saying is if we were to move Manly's home games to a different venue... Mm-hmm. the Manly fans would stop attending. And that would actually lead to, I dare say, Manly becoming insolvent and Manly wouldn't be able to compete in the NRL anymore. Imagine what the NRL would be like without Manly fans. Oh. Hmm. So maybe we should move Manly to Richmond. <laughs> the Richmond Seagulls. Yeah, why not? Are there many seagulls in Richmond? Are there many seagulls in Manly? That's a good point. Wouldn't There's got to be just... some seagulls in Manly. I mean, they're fucking seagulls. Well, the asbestos has probably killed them off. Is there, is any, is there any any fucking flora or fauna that, that survives in Brookvale? Uh, blue bottles. There you go. The Manly blue bottles. Crackheads. Lots of crackheads in Manly. <laughs> Did you know that? No, I've, I've only been there once, and I, I wasn't there very long, so I didn't didn't get a chance to check out the demographics. Yeah, in Manly, they love their crack. They love it. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. Um, Adam, long-time follower. I thought I'd uh, emailed him about this, but I hadn't replied. I'd obviously formulated my email in my head. So he says, hi, Freaky. This one's personally to me. Oh, okay. I'll, I'm just going to read it here. in my head. Uh, no. Nah. I really quite enjoyed the best and worst teams episodes, but especially the episode about the problems with British League. Such a shame. I got bored watching the Chooks bash the Broncos, so I flicked over to KO and watched the 1990 test between the Poms and us, us being Australia. Absolutely yeah. fantastic kangaroos team, but the Poms were up for it. The ground, not sure which one, is packed. I remember watching the Kangaroos tours of Great Britain on TV as a kid, especially those midweeks games where we played the British clubs in the freezing cold and rain and just squeaked out a win. Great days. On a complete side note, how do you know so much about Super League and the English League scene? 
I must admit that that 1990 series was probably the last like genuinely fiercely contested test series between Australia and Great Britain. Like there was nothing between both sides in all three tests. Yeah. Stunning series. And we got to see pretty much the last um, Great Britain side that was full of genuine world-class stars. Mm. Um, And they were all at their peak. It was an absolutely stunning series. Loved that one. So, yeah, I fully agree with that. Um, Well, I mean, Freaky's an expert, and he has studied the English game very intensely for a many number of years. So that's how come he knows so much about it. I couldn't agree more. There we go. <laughs> I've done my research, man. I know about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of scary. Oh, um, yeah. It's, you should be scared. <laughs> <laughs> Wait until you write the tell-all book. Mmm. Mmm, <laughs> that's nice. Imagine <laughs> a tell-all book about me would be just like, the first of all, I'd be like, so this person's called Leak Freak? Can yeah. you explain that? It's like, not really. <laughs> There'll be one chapter in there that just says, delete your history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, you know, the thing that's funny is when people say to me, how'd you come up with the name League Freak? And it literally was just like, I just put in League Freak, and then I started bagging South Sydney. Not funny how that works. Like That's how I got started in rugby league forums was by um, bagging South Sydney. Really? Yeah. Ah. I, I said... Yeah. That was a long time ago. I said something about... I can't remember exactly how I put it. It I'm was sure something. It was, it was Yeah, it was very accurate. It was about South Sydney and George Piggins and, like, running the club so poorly and i used the term dead dog's asshole um and i can't remember how i formulated it but it was really good at the time that will always go down well yeah yeah so i said that and then um from there there was another thing i wrote about it's probably on my website somewhere but then uh then i found an english league forum and I saw stuff about what they were saying about the English players compared to the Australian players. And I was like, what the fuck are these jokers talking about? So I spent the next few years telling them they were a bunch of fucking idiots. And that went down really well. <laughs> I'm sure it did. <laughs> um, so is that all the emails? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, if I go back any further, and like, I've got a lot of uh, business emails here because we're, we're a business. Um, so it's it's hard to sort of find... The ones here, let's see. Oh, jeez. Here's one from... Did we do this one from Mitch Taylor? Name does not ring a bell. Yeah. Okay, Mitch Taylor. How, this is a massive one. Oh. Okay. That's what she said. G'day, fellas. Firstly, let me say what a marvellous podcast you both have put together. And you managed to somehow to churn out the episodes quicker than I last did then I last in B. Actually, I'll try to keep this family friendly. I wonder where he's going with that. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, during these COVID times, I've been finding it hard to listen regularly as I don't have my daily commute to allow your dulcet tones to fill my hearing cavities. So I'm finding myself playing catch up. I've just finished listening to both the greatest teams and worst teams podcasts and found them to be excellent, which started me thinking, 
my head hurts thinking, so I had to stop for a bit and start again. How about a brief podcast on the history, history of each club, existing or defunct? I think the listeners, especially the younger ones, would love to hear about Annandale, Newtown, and even the Gold Coast Giants. Some listeners may not even realise the amount of identity changes that the Glamour Strip has had. Remember for a while they were called the Cocaine Cowboys? Yeah. Um, look, there's no reason why we can't do a history episode on every team that's ever played. That's that's a that's an easy, what was it, 30, 33 episodes? That'd be great, yeah. Let's do that next week. Um, <laughs> seven... Sorted. <laughs> Sorted. Um, oh, you've you got to quit your job, by the way. Um, the other thing I thought about, and perhaps the listeners could provide their own teams, which is what would you consider to be your club's all-time team of one-hit wonders? Okay. I.e. players that have played one first-grade game for your club and maybe something about a few players chosen. For Parramatta, he's, he's put together a team here. He has Justin Hunt at fullback. said the only saving grace about sitting through this at a cold Penrith stadium was the sausage sizzle. Uh, on the wing, Matt Adamson. Hang on, is this... Yeah, yeah, this is Paramount. Yeah, okay, Matt Adamson on one wing. Uh, centre, Rory Breen. And he said the poor kid was on a hiding to nothing while the eels got whacked by the bunnies. He's got Paul Fatuera. He says a great Stephen Kearney signing. Um, why is he Katavara? Katavarata. I hope yeah. I'm saying that correct. He said this game was the, the debut of the great Sonny Bill Williams. Uh, Danny Marmo, I don't remember him. Um, Paul Kent, as a journalist, he made an immortal rugby league player. That's pretty funny. Uh, Nate McMillan, he says this was his first ever Golden Point game, won by a manly penalty goal, which was found to be incorrectly rewarded afterwards. So manly fans... Shut your crying cunt mouths. I added that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I added that. He didn't say that. <laughs> sorry, mate. I'm sorry. I made you sound terrible. Um, okay. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to start. All right. From now on, when people send in emails, I'm going to make you sound like real assholes. Just letting you know. One by a manly penalty goal, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, show you okay. <laughs> Tommy Turbo forward pass and gets ads to pay for the door. Ah, oh, for the change rooms. Yeah, I remember that. Ian Henderson, probably the one eel who was shorter. Parramatta first grade career than poor Kent. Poor bugger injured the first tackle of the game. Trent Robinson, you're welcome, Uncle Nick. Lee Tamari. Um, Ernie Wanker, we were talking about him the other night. Yeah, I uh, I found that he'd actually played a game for for Parramatta back in oh, I think I guess in nineteen seventy six, mm-hmm. no seventy seven. He came off the bench. Um, just use the word came there. Not not good. Wanker like came saying, was Wanker. <laughs> yeah, Wanker, Wanker came off the bench. Uh, it was a game against Cronulla, and uh, Parramatta won that game twenty two fifteen. So he, he ended up finishing his first grade career undefeated. Nice, excellent. Um, he said he say no more, equal greatest name in rugby league with Ireland's Wayne Kerr. Um, and Joseph Uwalisi. 
Uh, I don't remember that dude. And he, and he says, anyway, guys, keep up the great work. It's fantastic to listen to a rugby league podcast that shoots from the hip and is no frills. Yours truly, Richard Cranium. P.S. Penrith is 2020's version of the 2001 Eels. I'm just a bit disappointed he didn't put uh, Matt Adamson in there. He did. He had Matt Adamson in. At, at... Oh, I didn't. I didn't hear you mention his yeah. name. There yeah, Matt Adamson. He was on the wing. Yeah. Oh, there you go. He's very important winger. Just ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we've got any other um, any other ones we can read out here. Richard, Richard, Richard sent us so many. He's got ones about stadiums and and stuff like that. It's just difficult to to go back and um read emails from old podcasts. I think that's it on here. Yeah, I think that's it on here. Oh, we've done well. Yeah, I think we've done pretty well too. Well <laughs> anytime a... you could say shut your cunt mouth, it just makes your day good, eh? Yeah, we've we've really delivered some some quality um content right here today. Yeah, it's been a pretty loose podcast. <laughs> yeah, I can know that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I suppose we should, should we should probably wrap this one up. Then you reckon, eh? Yeah, let's let's put a bow on this one. All right, this one's done. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Remember, you can always catch us on Twitter at Andrew RLP at League Freak at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. Check us out on there. Um, please subscribe and like all the videos over on YouTube. That'd be awesome. Um, we did a four four hour fifteen minute live uh, podcast. Was it last last week? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, some brilliant content in there. So um, if you've got over four hours to kill, bung us in your ear holes. Check that out because that was brilliant. Um, especially. You get to about the three-hour mark, and you hear me losing my shit over um, some some Englishman with with a garden growing out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, that last hour of that podcast. How many times did you sit here going, "Should we just stop right now?" Mentally, you're going, "Hmm, hmm," sailing close to the wind. Yeah, very very close. But we just kept on sailing, mm. <laughs> like a Rod Stewart song. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just like one of those. Um, so, yeah, get over to check that out. Um, we might do another live show sometime very, very soon. Who knows? We, we decide on the day. Yeah, we'll, we'll let our people know, let your people know. Yeah, that's pretty much how it works. Yeah. Um, also, make sure you go to your podcast um, program, app, whatever you use, and give us a five-star rating and a review. And... Uh, you know, all the all the good ones and positive ones, we'll put them up on our website. We'll put them up on, which is com. So we'll make yep. you famous there, and we'll read them out on here as well. Yeah, we've got a uh, we've got a Charlie Sheen policy with the the reviews. We only allow positive ones from now on. That's exactly right. I think it works well for Charlie. We should go with that. Yeah, we like his system. Mm. Can I say something? Well, why not? Okay, so. Okay, so last week, right, we found out that the the actor that played Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, he had cancer the entire last four years. Even when he played the Black Panther, didn't let anyone know, didn't even let Disney know, and went down like a soldier. He didn't need any attention for it. It, it just, like, 
he, he just, they put out a statement, he's passed away, he had cancer, and he didn't need anything about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then this week, The Rock does a fucking press conference because he's got the flu. Has The Rock got the flu? Oh, he's got COVID. Is he okay? I, I don't care. <laughs> That's the point. It's like, how about you just fucking keep it to yourself? Like, and, and I was very sad when, when uh, Chadwick Boseman passed away. Very, very sad. I love the Black Panther. He's great. And he played it so well. He's played it so perfectly. And he just got on with it. And I really admire that. And I wanted to say something about it on the podcast. Well, that's that's very good. Yeah, the rock, yeah. He's got the he's got the COVID. It's not good. How how'd he get it? I don't care. <laughs> well, I think on that fantastic note, we will put a bow on this one. Mm-hmm. Thanks thanks for tuning in everyone. Don't forget manscaped.com mm-hmm. and we'll catch you all next time.